Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast. We're all be coming to you every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God, which is my absolute favorite thing to do. Every week, I'll bring you encouragement to see God working all things together for good. From scriptures to devotional excerpts to song lyrics to personal examples from my journey through redemption and restoration. Joining this community on a regular basis, where it's okay to be real and throw off our masks of perfection, will not only encourage you, but will motivate and stir your hearts and just possibly leave you forever changed. In times like this, we all need to be encouraged as we face the challenges, difficulties, and losses of this life. So I look forward to growing right along with you in authenticity and transparency as we endeavor to find the faithfulness of God in our everyday lives. So take a moment to write a review on Apple so even more people are able to find the encouragement you're about to hear. Each episode is broadcast on my YouTube channel before it's converted and brought to you in this audio format. If you'd like to get in on the fun and giveaways at my YouTube home, join me over there at Athena Dean Holtz for even more encouragement. So, hey, let's get started. Welcome to this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored, where we connect every week to intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. You may notice that I am not the Redeemed and Restored host, Athena Dean Holtz. My name is Carol Tetzloff, and I am filling in for her this week as I share an encouraging word with you from Daniel 3, Trusting God in the Fire. I receive this privilege to join you because I am part of the Redemption Press team. I oversee our She Writes for Him events and trainings, as well as create all kinds of content for Redemption Press. Last June, I published my first Bible study, Ezra, Unleashing the Power of Praise with Redemption Press, and this teaching today fits within that time period. I love the story of the exiles, and today in our time together, we will meet three men whose story is placed during the captivity of God's people in Babylon. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you will be encouraged to trust God even when things get hot. So let's roll that teaching. group that I'm doing that's doing my Ezra study <clears throat> and so I was like you know what what I am teaching on this week is exactly what I need and maybe it is for you to trusting God in the fire and if you think about it you might know what um, part of the narrative of scripture we're going to be in so um, yeah so let me pray for us and then we are going to dive in um, first to the book of Jeremiah because I always have to bring a prophet with me so let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for um, allowing us this time here 
on the Redemption Press and proclaim Facebook's groups. God, I just thank you so much that I get to sit here in my office and then all these precious women get to join me and we just get to dive into your word. And so God, would you just bless our time together? Would you encourage us through your word? And we will give you the glory for it, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like in my life that everything is just crushing down around me. And so often I have to remind myself that in those times, God does have a plan. And often my plan is not his. His plan often looks so different than what I anticipate the outcome will be. And so we're going to dive into this time period. It's actually right before the exile. So it's at the end of the book of 2 Kings. And the prophet that comes to Judah, his name is Jeremiah. And I've been reading through Jeremiah this, um, this winter. And he has some words of um, warning for God's people. So this is before the exile happens. And he comes in. He's one of the main prophets of Judah during this time. And Judah is under great distress. Um, he J Jerusalem is just completely disobedient to what God is calling them to do. And they've completely, from the kings to all of those that are ruling with the king to all the people, they are completely turning away from God. Um, we're told in Jeremiah that there's, there's so many people doing the wrong thing that it's hard to find even one that's doing right. And we don't really have what it looks like when the exile takes place. We don't have that narrative of the exact description. But Jeremiah gives us a glimpse as he's telling the people what's going to happen. And in Jeremiah 4, he talks about how Babylon is going to come in from the north and bring terrible destruction. Listen to some of these words. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read pieces of it so you can kind of see the description of what God is saying is going to happen because of their disobedience. He speaks of Babylon, the enemy, as a lion who's coming out of his lair, a destroyer of nations. He has left his place to lay waste to your land. Your towns will lie in ruin without inhabitants. In that day, declares the Lord, the king, the one who's supposed to be ruling and encouraging the people, the king and his officials are going to lose heart. The priests are going to be horrified and the prophets are going to be appalled. This language is very fierce. Look, he advances like clouds. His chariots come like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us. We are ruined. Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart, God is telling them, and be saved. How long are you going to harbor these wicked thoughts? And God tells Jeremiah, tell this to the nations. A besieged army is coming from a distant land, raising a war cry against the city of Judah. And the words that describe their cry, oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. Disaster follows disaster and the whole land lies in ruin. Alas, I am fainting, my life given over to murderers. The words and the description give us the demise that God's people would face. 
we see then this lament that is recorded in the book of Psalms as they are drug off to Babylon after being completely just destroyed everything they owned. They are brought to Babylon in chains. And listen to Psalm 37. It gives us this picture of the groaning of their hearts. It says, Besides the water, beside the water of Babylon, we sat and wept, and we thought of Jerusalem. We put our harps away, hanging them on the branches of the trees. For our captors, the Babylonians, demanded a song for us. Our tormented insisted that we sing a joyful hymn. Sing to us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing when we're in a pagan land? I will forget you, O Jerusalem. If I do, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done. You see, the people were in a state of anguish. And we don't really get to know their story very well, at least the, the big picture of them in Babylon, except for a few snapshots that Jeremiah gives us. But we do have a story of one man. His name is Daniel. And Daniel is one of the ones that is taken from Judah to, to Babylon and to live in exile for these 70 years. This story that begins with violence is going to really launch us in to the narrative of what happens in the city of Babylon. Daniel is going to be there for 70 years and maybe a little bit more because he is not going to return with the exiles. So 70 years is actually 25,000 plus days. And during that 70 year time, we only have six scenes that we get to experience what the exile saw, and it's the view from the palace. So Jeremiah gives us a little bit of reprieve as he tells us of what good is going to be done even in Babylon. <clears throat> so in Jeremiah 24, we see the reality of God's plan for his people, and he tells us by illustrating it in a basket of figs. So he's going to do a little object lesson. Now, Jeremiah could have been wondering, what is going to be the fate of these Jews in Babylon? Are they going to be completely destroyed? He knew there were promises that were given, but yet there was something within him that must have given him cause to doubt. And so God is going to give him a vision of what his plan is for Babylon. And in Jeremiah 24, he says this. Now, this vision is just like a bedtime story. It's super easy to understand. Not all visions are. This one happens to be. So in Jeremiah 24, we hear the story. The Lord gave me, Jeremiah, this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with a bag, bad figs that were too rotten to eat. Then the Lord said to me, well, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, figs, some very good and some very bad, too rotten to eat. So pretty simple so far. Then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. The good figs represent the exiles I sent to Judah, to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over them. I will care for them. I will bring them back here to Judah. 
I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me wholeheartedly. You see, within this exile, within these people being brought under such dire circumstances, God gives this beautiful picture of grace and mercy in their captivity. They had an idea of what their outcome would be, but God had a greater plan that would supersede it. So for the moment, we're told within this parable or within this story that Jerusalem is not the home of God's people. The good figs, our exiles, are right where God had planned them to be. Even within their disobedience, he had gone before them with the full intention of meeting them in their needs during their captivity. So the story of Daniel, we'll get back to him, will allow us to see their life in Babylon from the view of the palace. So from the beginning, um, where Daniel and his three friends, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they live with integrity. They work in the palace and their proper worship is always focused with their devotion to God. Within their stories, we continue to find the name of the Lord, Yahweh, exalted, and breathe. they breathe him in and out, as I talk about so often in their everyday worship, from the food they ate in chapter one, to the dreams they would interpret in chapter two, to the writing on the wall in chapter five, to the glorious rescue where God allows them to go back to Judah in Ezra one. We see them often calling on the name of their God with every breath they had, no matter what their circumstances held. And so today we're going to look at one instance that happens in the life of Daniel's friends. Even though it's going to be difficult and there's going to be danger, we find them completely obedient. And that's in Daniel 3. Now, I know many of you know the story. We were probably told it as children um, on the flannel graph. But it's a story of the fiery furnace. And so we know that King Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up this golden statue and he orders everyone in the land to fall before the statue when the music sounds. So people all gather, the music plays throughout the land and everyone bows but three. There are three men left standing. Now, what amazes me most about their standing <laughs> is that out of all of the exiles that were in the land who may have been at the palace at that time, only three remained standing and the rest bowed before the God of the land. You see, their worship was rooted in fear. It was rooted in unbelief and past habits. You would think that they would have learned from their brutal captivity that God would do as he said. He has protected them all along. But the consequence of their disobedience and their worship of pagan gods led them to this place where they are tested. And even after God gives them this promise from Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Did you get that? Not to harm you. They still find themselves conflicted and afraid in their worship. But in Within this story, we see a statement given from the three who stood in confidence of their God. Nebuchadnezzar calls them to worship the golden statue or be thrown into the fiery furnace, 
but they have resolved within their heart the object of their worship. It's the resolution made by Daniel when we're told in chapter one that he resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. And so our worshipers do the same. And when they are questioned about if their God will deliver them, this is what they say, Daniel 3, 17. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship a golden image you have set up. <coughs> Sorry. So do you hear the confidence within their statement? Do you have that kind of confident hope, the kind that trusts God even when our deliverance seems so uncertain? even when it doesn't look like we ought, the fire was not their first choice of, of you know, the place they wanted to be. And yet they knew that God was big enough to handle even this. And so as they are getting ready to be cast into the furnace, I'm sure they may have been wondering, okay, God, where are you now? Like we've done what you asked us to do. Um, But within it, they're going to find that their God is ever-present, that he is right there with them. So first, let's look at the other people that didn't trust. I'm sure there are others in Babylon who worship the one true God, but their stories aren't recorded for us to know. It's this part of the narrative where our attention is drawn to those who continued their former patterns of worship. There were many exiles in this land who have been paralyzed with fear of what would come to them if they did not worship the idol before them, whether it be a golden statue or even the earthly king himself. Now, today we don't find a lot of golden idols in our midst, um, not unlike the children of Israel, if you remember when they were, um, when Moses was up the mountain and it was covered in smoke and they gathered and they were unsure what was happening to Moses. And so they built this little baby cow to represent their God out of gold. Their view of God is so small before their eyes. When right in front of them, they have this mountain that is smoldering in fire where God's glory is being seen. But yet they focus on a baby cow. How often do we miss it? How often do we choose to worship things that are so insignificant in our lives? Because we also have baby cows. It's usually not something that is morally dark or evil. It's usually good things in our life that we choose to elevate. It's often the idol of self, things that we identify with, what we do. It could be a healthy lifestyle or a job or my role in life. It's whatever you find significant in and significance in that consumes everything that you do. So when we look at the bad figs that are left in Jerusalem, the fear of what has happened to the nation caused them to not follow God, even when God had promised to take care of them. And we have that same choice to make every single day. And yet, as the hymn says, we are prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. We are prone to bow before these gods that we have in our life. And when we do, the proper worship in our life 
is tainted. And so we need to be rescued. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo actually chose not to worship the idol, to stay true to God. And God delivered them. Now, there were three outcomes that could have happened. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't have the story in front of them. And so there were three possible outcomes. The first one is they could have been delivered from the fire. They could have been delivered from it and never even had to go close to it. God would have brought them out. They could have been delivered in the fire, which is where they had to go through it. And through those circumstances, God used it to really bolster their faith and who they, who they worshiped. And then there is the deliverance through the fire, coming out on the other side unscathed. Sometimes we find ourselves in the fire and there is no escape but eternity. But God chose instead for these three men to deliver them through the fire. And we find that this result only happens because of his miraculous deliverance. And what is the result of someone who allows God to take them through the trials of life and still trust him with everything? I will tell you what happens, and it happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Because King Nebuchadnezzar, once he saw that God had delivered these three men, he worships God. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their own lives rather than to serve or worship any God except the one true God. And therefore, Nebuchadnezzar told all the people, you will not worship anyone but the one true God. Now, if we read the rest of the story, we know he kind of fell off the wagon and, and continued in his pride. But for this moment, he sees that the trust of Shadrach, Meshach, and, Obend Shadrach, Meshach, and Obendigo, the trust in their God led them to a place where they were safe and secure no matter what the outcome was. And our worship of the one true God, even in times that are hard, will lead the world to know God. Because our world is looking for something, someone to hope in. And even though they don't realize it, they're tired of depending on the gods that they have created. And we, when we trust God, when we're going through difficult times, we share the hope that we have because we trust in the name of God. It also helps them, others, look and see a deeper faith. They become inspired by you. They become people that want to emulate who you are because they see Jesus in you. They see a trust that they don't have. And then it possibly could lead others to salvation. Our testimony of breathing the goodness of our God in and out, even in difficult times, fulfills the mission that God has entrusted to us to bring others to the cross. You'll never know how your obedience, how your daily worship, how your trust will impact someone for the kingdom. And so, as we look at our circumstances of today and what we are facing, how is our worship today?
Who are we focused on? Are we focused on our bank account? Are we focused on our abilities? Are we focused on someone else to pull us through? Or are we focused on God and trusting him for everything that he is doing, knowing that he has a plan and that it will not falter? And whether we are consumed in the fire, whether we are taken from the fire, or whether we have to walk through the fire, God will get the glory if we continue to trust him in it. Our worship every single day is found in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, I tell you, brothers, or in this case, sisters, for those of you watching, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because this is your act of spiritual worship. You see, when we place ourselves on the altar of sacrifice, the difference between an Old Testament sacrifice and our sacrifice is Old Testament sacrifices were dead. They didn't have the option. Their throat was cut, their blood was spilled, and they were placed on the altar. But we are alive, and things that are living tend to jump off the altar. So it's found in a daily surrender of our life. Not a white flag of surrender, which is giving up, because sometimes I will tell you that's what I feel like doing when I'm going through something hard. But it's opening our hands and giving all that we have, knowing that God is going to fill them with so much more. You see, the alignment of our heart, the alignment of our worship makes a difference. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had proper worship even when the fire was near. And our lives can be lives of glorious worship to the one who gives us breath, breath to breathe him in and out every day in every circumstance of our life. So when we come to the point of our lives where we are walking through something hard, where we need to trust, we can remember that God is able, that he has called us to worship him and to trust him in whatever comes our way. And when we do, his way will be known and it will be for our good and for his glory. So that is my encouragement for you today. I don't know what you're all walking through. I, I know it's been a hard week, a couple hard weeks for uh, my family, for um, just things happening within just my world. And I needed this encouragement today to know that God is is big enough. He's big enough to be trusted. And so I hope that today that you will trust him. Um, but thank you for um, just being with me today. It's been fun to encourage you and be a part of your lives. So let me pray for us and we'll take off. So Father, thank you for being a God that we can trust. God, we come to you not because we need something or we desire something from you, but that you have already given us everything we need. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you give us the ability to trust you in all circumstances. And God, we will give you the glory for you alone deserve it. It's because of Jesus we pray. Amen. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. 
I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.